when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. <laughs> Let's go, Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grove, your home for Raiders news, notes, and information. Just Pod Baby is a part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, brought to you by SB Nation. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 and you can follow more of my work over at silverandblackpride.com. Later in the show, we'll be joined by a very familiar name, former Raiders beat writer Matt Schneidman, now covering the Packers beat for The Athletic. Well, the Raiders are back in action, and so is Just Pod Baby. Uh, we're both coming off the bye week, and the last time you heard from me, the Raiders were preparing to take on the uh, Chicago Bears over across the pond in London, and that proved to be a very successful trip for the Raiders as they got the victory. So what I want to do, uh, what I want to start off the show with tonight is just kind of taking a look uh, at the current state of the Raiders, where they, where we currently stand Um after the bye week, heading into Week Seven versus the Green Bay Packers, the record is, is three and two, which I think at this point is a very, very good record. In fact, um, if the season ended today, uh, the Raiders would be the sixth seed in the playoffs, which is really crazy to think about when you consider what the vibes were like just a couple of weeks ago after that embarrassing loss uh, to the Vikings. Uh, they are second in the AFC West division behind the Chiefs, who. Uh, picked up another victory on Thursday Night Football, sitting at 5-2 and two now. It was a very costly victory for them, though, and we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a few moments. They're obviously still, there's still a lot of football to be played, so, uh, you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But, hey, you know, it is Week 7, and, you know, the Raiders are in the conversation. So that's really all you can hope for as a fan is to be, is to be in the mix. Now, I'm not sure if any of the listeners out there remember uh, but before the Raiders began this this five um, consecutive games on the road, I believe it was uh, before the Minnesota game in Week Three, on the podcast that week, I made the statement that I felt like if the Raiders could somehow win two of these five road games, I, I would have considered that a victory at that point. And obviously, the Raiders have already accomplished that by beating the the Colts and the Bears. Um, now I do think uh, when I when I look at the matchup this week and, and some of the injuries that the the Packers are dealing with right now, I do think this is a great opportunity for the Raiders to pick up another uh, win here on the road. And I think that um, when you look at who's up next with with the Houston Texans next week, I think that this is definitely the easier of the two matchups. So I, I think it would be really really big for the Raiders if they could pick up another road win here. It would continue to keep the pressure on the Chiefs, um, and who, who, who all from all reports today sounds like they will be without their MVP quarterback Patrick Mahomes at least for the next three weeks. So um, definitely something we're going to be monitoring uh, going forward here. Now I do want to take a look at the Chiefs' schedule here 
um, in the next three weeks. And I'm also going to take a a look at if Mahomes should miss more time. You know who who they would face and how that kind of uh, how they match up there. Um, next week, the Chiefs will face the Packers, followed by the Vikings in Week Nine and the Titans in Week Ten. Now, one thing that um, the the Chiefs do have going in their favor is that those first two games versus the Packers and the Vikings will be played at home in Arrowhead, and and Raider fans know very well that Arrowhead is is one of the better uh, home field advantages that the league has. Now, despite that, though, despite being at home for those first two games, that Chiefs defense is is still very shaky, and I don't care how many sacks they had the other night against the 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 uh, Broncos, who are just pitiful. Uh, I, I'm still not sold on that on that Chiefs defense if if they can handle you know the likes of um, a Green Bay Packers and, and Minnesota Vikings offense if if they're clicking on you know all cylinders. Um, if Mahomes should miss more than three weeks, which I think is very likely, I think they're saying three is the minimum. I think it's possible he could miss up to five. Um, they would they would face uh, the Chargers in Week 11, the Raiders in a head-to-head matchup Week 12, and then the Patriots in Week 13. So certainly not an easy stretch of games for the Chiefs here in the next six weeks, especially if they don't have Mahomes. Now on the flip side, I do want to take a look at the Raiders' schedule. And I, you know, when I was looking at it, I do, I do believe that the Raiders have a obviously have a much more favorable schedule, and what I consider to be some very winnable games coming up in the next several weeks, including matchups with the Detroit Lions, the New York Jets, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Los Angeles Chargers, and Tennessee Titans. So, um, you know, you never want to overlook any opponents, but you you know, then coaches always say you want to take it one week at a time, but. Um, this does seem like a golden opportunity here for the Raiders, uh, with Mahomes being out a couple weeks. They have a little bit more of a uh, difficult schedule, and um, the Raiders could really make this AFC West, uh, you know, race a lot more interesting if they can take care of business here in the next several weeks. But first thing is first, the Raiders they need to take care of business this week out in Green Bay. Um, and they need to come home with the victory. So that's kind of where the Raiders are currently at um, and um, you know what we're looking at in the next couple weeks. Uh, up next is headlines. Blue 42, blue 42, set, hey! All right, headline number one. The Raiders announced Wednesday that they signed tight end Darren Waller to a contract extension. Uh, the contract will keep Waller in silver and black until the 2023 season. Uh, Waller's going to earn himself nine million dollars a year with this new contract, so that's a nice little, uh, nice little raise for the tight end. Um, Waller has been one of the Raiders' best weapons, along with uh, rookie running back Josh Jacobs. He leads the team in receiving with 37 catches for 359 yards. Doesn't have a touchdown yet, but I'm sure those are going to be coming any time now. You know, it's a great story. Uh, we all know um, his battle with addiction. Um, he was. He was suspended multiple times in, in for the entire season in 2017. Uh, he was picked up off the uh, the Raiders picked him up off the Ravens practice squad, and uh, you know this is just why we this is why we as fans this is why we this is why we love sports. This is what it's all about. Um, it's great to see a, a person who um, you know has has dealt with some adversity and and 
you know, is, is looking like he's going to come out on top. So it's really easy to cheer for a guy like Waller, and I, and I personally, I could not be happier for him. Headline number two, 2019 seventh round pick Quentin Bell was released from the practice squad uh, this week, and the Raiders replaced him with another former seventh round pick from the Packers, uh, linebacker Kendall Donerson. I don't know much about Donerson at all, but he'll be a practice squad linebacker for the Raiders. You know, Bell was always viewed as a kind of a long shot to, to um, even make the team out in training camp. And so, um, you know, he's a big-time project. He, he's a um, wide receiver turned pass rusher in college. So, to me, anyways, the move really doesn't come as any surprise. I, I felt like, um, you know, based on the, the big-time project label that he was given, um, I just didn't see him sticking around very long. But we do wish him the luck. Uh, good luck. Uh, headline number three: The Raiders traded a 2021 fifth round pick to the Buffalo Bills to acquire wide receiver Zay Jones. And certainly, the Raiders' receiving core right now could use all the help it can get. Um, you know, Jones is very intriguing. He was a second round pick uh, of the Buffalo Bills back in 2017, and you know he had a prolific college career at East Carolina. He is. Uh, currently holds some some records uh, in the NCAA with Division One leader in career receptions, and he also holds the single season record uh, of reception or with receptions, uh, 158 in a season. Now that East Carolina offense was a high volume passing offense, but but nonetheless, that's a lot of catches. Um, Jones's best season as a pro came in 2018. Uh, obviously with the Bills when he caught 56 passes for 652 yards uh, to go along with seven touchdowns. And that was with um, rookie quarterback Josh Allen throwing him the ball, I believe. That was when that was last year when Allen was a rookie. So, um, you know, if he can do that, if he can put up those kind of numbers with Allen, I would assume that he can do a little bit more in a, uh, you know, with Derek Carr. And he's got a great opportunity. He, he really does. With, with the injuries that the Raiders have to the – to the, the receiver room, I really feel like he has a great opportunity right now to even step up and maybe be the number one guy while Tyrell, Tyrell Williams is out. And, and and when Williams hopefully does come back, um, that gives them a much better option as their number two receiver. So um, I, I feel that the risk is definitely worth taking. You know, a fifth-round pick um, in 2021 uh, I think is, is more than fair. Uh, for a, a guy as talented as uh, Zay Jones. And, and the last headline, headline number four, uh, this comes from a couple weeks ago, Vontez Burfecht. Um, we all know he had his 12-game 12, 12 suspension. He appealed that. He had his uh, he had that appeal heard, and, and, and it was denied. Um, and, you know, and I've made my feelings very well known uh, on, on Twitter about, about, you know, how I feel about the player. In the in the the situation as a whole, you know, I'll kind of just say it again. I was never really a fan of Burfick throughout his career. I was not really that thrilled when they brought him in. And to be perfectly honest with you, I know this may not sit well with some of you, but I'm really not that sad to see him go. And and I've you know I've read all the great things that coaches and players have been saying about him. Um, you know, how he's been a great teammate. Of course, Derek Carr was vehemently uh, defending 
perfect as a as a good person as a good teammate and 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 that all may be true um he was selected as a team captain and he you know he really from what i understand he was trying to change his ways but all that being said i i just cannot look past um the track record that he has out there and the fact that he continues to make those mistakes i can no longer give him the benefit of the doubt so I do feel bad for him, you know, a, as a person. Um, I don't know if he has a family. You know, he's no longer going to be getting those game checks. So I, I do feel for I know, you know that that's his livelihood now. This is this is how he earns his living. But um, you know, he was warned uh, previously with with other fines and suspensions. And um, you know, what can you say? He he, he made his bed and and and. Uh, now he's got to sleep in it. So, um, you know, the Raiders are going to have to move on without him. And they looked pretty good, actually, in the Chicago game without him. And to be perfectly honest with you, the Raiders are spending 82% of their defensive snaps in the nickel defense anyways. And he is not a linebacker that's known for his coverage ability. So to me, you know, it, it's not a huge loss. Yes, he does know the defense. He's very familiar with with Gunther's system, and he can make the calls, but um, it's not as if Tyer Whitehead is um, you know, a first-year player in this offense. This is his second year, and I and I would like to see a little bit more Amaro. Anyways, I, I think he has uh, shown great improvements, and you know I would like to see what we can get out of him, and you know the rest of the way here. So, one other piece of information that I, I do think I need to at least mention. Um, that came out this week is is the lawsuit that Trent Brown has been uh, slapped with by a former girlfriend um, whom he has a child with. I believe the child is is not quite a year old. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of details at all. I, I really, to be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time reading um, some of the articles that are out there um, on this case, but there was a, a case filed in in a court um, Tuesday morning, you know, by this this former girlfriend of Brown's, and the the lawsuit alleges that there were multiple incidents of domestic violence. So, you know, obviously that, that's a huge concern uh, on so many levels. Um, as I said on Twitter, if this is true. Um, Football is obviously the least important thing at this point. Um, we're talking about, um, you know, there's child, there's a ch- child involved here, um, possible abuse, and, and so it's just a very uh, serious issue, of course. And I'm not trying to downplay it at all, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because I don't have, again, I don't have a lot of those details. I will say that, um, you know, Brown is innocent until proven guilty. I think we've seen that in the case of uh, Gary on Conley, that we need to wait until all the facts come out before we can, uh, you know, make any kind of judgments. And obviously it's not really up to us to make that judgment, but um, he did put out a statement denying all accusations that were made against him. So, you know, obviously for, for, for his sake and for this woman's sake and for that child's sake, I hope that none of this is true, obviously. And uh, Raider fans know that Mark Davis does have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to domestic violence. So, you know, you can rest assured that if if this is if it is proven that 
that this is true, that this in fact did happen, uh, Brown's time as a Raider will will most certainly be be over. Okay, so um, again, this is uh, a major piece of news on so many different levels, and and we'll just kind of we'll kind of stay tuned as as this all plays out. All right, after this quick break. Uh, I'm going to take a look at the final injury report for both teams. Okay, I was uh, I did pull up that injury report. I do have it right here in front of me. Uh, the Week 7 injury report as of Friday evening. Um, we'll start with... Uh, we're going to start with the Packers here. Um, players that are out. Wide receiver Devontae Adams, which he's actually on my fantasy team, so he's been a major buzzkill for me. Um, he was my number one pick, and he's just absolutely been killing me when he's been out. So, uh, but this week I don't really care. So he is out, and that's that is Aaron Rodgers' number one target. So that's going to be a major loss for them. Other players that are out, um, there's only one other player right now that's listed as out, and that is safety Darnell Savage. And I'm pretty sure he's a rookie this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so those are you know two pretty big losses for them. Um, other injuries that we want to keep an eye on are wide receiver Geronimo Allison, who is doubtful. He's listed as doubtful. He did not participate in practice at all this week with a concussion and a chest injury. So most of the time when players are listed as doubtful, uh, they're probably not going to play, especially when you haven't practiced all week. Um, some other notable players to keep an eye on. Um, another wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, is listed as questionable, and he did get in a limited practice on Friday, but he did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. So, um, if he does play, he's definitely not going to be playing at 100. Uh, percent Tight end Jimmy Graham was listed on the injury report as of well, let's see, Wednesday he did not participate, Thursday did not participate. He did get in a li- limited practice on Friday, and um, there's nothing listed for his game status as of right now. But it does kind of look like he will probably give it a go as well. Um, so those are some of the big, uh, names on offense, on defense. Um, we already mentioned safety Darnell Savage, defensive lineman, Kenny Clark. He is listed as questionable. He was limited on Friday, did not participate on Thursday and was a full go on Wednesday. So that's kind of odd. Uh, maybe he tweaked something in practice on Wednesday. Um, but with that questionable label, I would expect him to play. Um, and the other name there to keep an eye on is one of their cornerbacks, uh, Tony Brown. He's not one of their starting corners, but from what I understand, he does. He's one of their key members of special teams, and he was listed as questionable as well with a with a hamstring. So, so those are some of the more notable names uh, for the Packers on their injury report. And then uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the the Raiders injury report. Um, Players who are out, we, we know about Arden Key with that knee injury. Um, Tyrell Williams is is going to miss the, um, this week with that uh, plantar fasciitis uh, injury who just, just continues to linger. Um, if you heard the interview with John Gruden this week, he just said it's it's really not getting any better. So not looking good because those are that's you know that's the type of injury that just kind of lingers around and. Obviously, when you're talking about a wide receiver and 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 the you know their foot, it's it's a major issue. So, 
Um, we're, we're hoping to get better news on the Tyrell Williams front in the near future. Um, other players, Trent Brown has a doubtful label. Did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Was limited on Friday. Again, doubtful labels on a, on a Friday does not seem very promising. I do not expect Trent Brown to play, which which co- could pose a major problem if uh, if it's um, Brandon Parker or David Sharp who have to replace him because the uh, Packers do have a very good pass rush. Um, they do have two very good defensive ends there. So that's that's going to be a matchup that you want to keep an eye on. Um, Dwayne Harris is is questionable. He's he's missed this past couple weeks with that ankle injury. He was limited all week. Gabe Jackson hopefully is going to make his return to the lineup this week. Um, he was limited all week as well. Um, and that looks like that's about it. Um, I do see some other names here that are listed on the report, but they were either limited or full go. Cleveland Farrell, who he will be back from his concussion which should provide the pass rush and the run stopping uh, the run defense with with a boost. Um, Josh Jacobs is listed here with that elbow. He he was dealing with that elbow injury in the in the Bears game. He was full all week. Lamarcus Joyner with a groin. He was limited limited and full on Friday. Nick Morrow with an ankle was full all week. Darren Waller with a foot. Uh, he was full on Wednesday, and he must have tweaked something because he came up on the injury report as limited on Thursday, but he was a full go on Friday. So so there's your injury report for Week 7 with both teams. Up next is, is my interview with former Raiders beat writer Matt Schneidman, who now covers the Packers for The Athletic. Joining me on the line is a name that you're very familiar with. That's Matt Schneidman, who was a former uh, Raiders beat writer for a couple years with the Mercury News, and now he is uh, covering the Green Bay Packers for The Athletic. Uh, he is a former guest of the show. Uh, Matt, nice to have you on again. How are How's life treating you in Green Bay? It's different than the Bay Area, Evan, I must say, but it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. I'm sure those winters are going to be similar to your uh, your your college years up out there in Syracuse, yes, New York. So you're you're well prepared. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, th- thus far, in, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about you, real quick. Um, th- thus far, in in the early parts of your career as a sports reporter, you've been very fortunate uh, where you where you've had the opportunity to to cover two of the more iconic teams in the league. Um, when you look back on the history of the NFL and the game of football, and especially in the obviously in the Super Bowl era, it all started with Vince Lombardi and the Green Bay Packers. So, so what's your experience been like? Um, you know, covering an organization as historic as the Packers. Yeah, it's interesting because my, my view in this is I always want to cover a team that has a, a rabid fan base who really cares about every little thing I write or report. Um, no knocks on these organizations, but for example, like the Chargers, the Jaguars like they don't have as uh as much history as you know I would say there are five or six teams that have probably have nationwide or even global fan bases and I would say the Raiders and Packers are two of them maybe the Steelers Cowboys Patriots 49ers even you know it's been really interesting because living in Green Bay for what is it three months now about it's like a college town in that I compare it to Syracuse. There's nothing else going on except the sports team. And the the difference here is it's a professional 
football team. And it really has a college town feel. Um, there's a, a main downtown area, a couple of rundown parts of the city, and then Lambeau Field just pops up, and it's like a sanctuary for everyone, just like the Carrier Dome is in Syracuse. But uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the atmosphere on game day is incredible. And, you know, everywhere people, are, people wear Packers jerseys out to the bar on, like, a Tuesday. So it, I just love to see the passion around the Packers out here, which makes me feel like the, the job I do is that much more important. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Lambeau Field. Now, uh, I've got a bucket list, as many people do, and uh, my list includes a lot of uh, trips to several of the famous stadiums and arenas that are out there throughout the country. And, of course, Lambeau Field is one of those those uh, stadiums that I, I would love to get to sometime. Um, tell us what it's like to you know, take in a game there and, and where you rank that among your top NFL game day experiences. Yeah, I, I haven't been to all of them, obviously, since this is only my third year covering the league. But a game day at Lambeau is is really incredible. Like I said, it's Lambeau Field isn't really in like the downtown uh, part of Green Bay, like let's say a Philadelphia Eagles stadium or a Chicago Bears stadium is. It's really separate. There's a nice long drive up where you can see the stadium from a while away. Uh, people are tailgating for blocks and blocks and blocks, and everyone on that block is, you know, offering parking for people. Um, it's a really unique atmosphere in that everyone obviously knows how historic the Green Bay Packers are. It kind of has an old school feel. There's, it seems, there's a distinct demographic of Green Bay Packers fans. Everyone's been here for decades and decades, and and diehard fans. Um, you know, there are signs with Bart Starr and Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and, and it's just a really nice history, uh, and it's really special. And, and I think welcoming the Raiders here on Sunday will be another great atmosphere. All right, let's get to some um, some business on the field now. One of the big storylines going into uh, this week's game is the health of both teams. Um, in particular, on offense for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, it looks like he could be um, – without his top four targets. Um, I did see that uh, Devontae Adams was ruled out earlier today. Um, on defense, it looks like tackle Kenny Clark, and um, I did see that safety Darnell Savage was also ruled out. Uh, what can you tell us about, can you give us an update on some of the other players, some of the more notable names, and, and what what is the expectation that they will play? Yeah, so obviously Devontae Adams, Derek Carr's best friend, um, to relate it back to your fan base, he he will be out, miss his third straight game with turf toe that he picked up early in the fourth quarter on that Thursday night football game against the Eagles. The Packers only lost this season so far, and Darnell Savage Jr., who is one of their best defensive players through the first couple games of the season, their first rounder they traded up in the first round to get, he will also miss his second straight game. Uh, Geronimo Allison, their their number one slot receiver, is doubtful, along with their tight end Bobby Tanyan, who. Quite frankly, I haven't been really impressed with Jimmy Graham. Bobby Tanyan is is a really nice receiving tight end, um, but he he probably won't play because of a hip injury he suffered uh, against the Cowboys two weeks ago. Jimmy Graham, who who hadn't practiced until today, will play. He was not on the injury report. Uh, and then the three guys who are questionable are Marquez Valdez-Scantling, their number two receiver, who's essentially been their number one the past couple games without Devontae. Uh, and then Kenny Clark, one of the nice young nose tackles in this league, and then cornerback Tony Brown, who is one of their backup outside cornerbacks, but a really key player on special teams. So I know the Raiders are missing 
uh, a couple important players too. And I say a couple because, you know, I don't expect Trent Brown to play. Obviously, they're going to be without Tyrell Williams with that plantar fasciitis issue he's dealing with. So both teams will be without their top wide receivers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I still think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But uh, the Packers, certainly, if there's any quarterback who can compensate for losing his top one, two, or maybe even three receivers and, and do it on his own, it, it is number 12, the guy the Packers have under center. Yeah, you mentioned some injuries to the Raiders, um, and you you spoke about Trent Brown. He was listed as doubtful. Um, he did get in a limited practice today, but I'm with you. I don't really expect him to play at this point. Um, right. Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I, I was just going to say, you know, I think that matters a lot going into this game because the the biggest surprise on this Packers team is that they have an edge rush. You know, I I obviously covered the Raiders last year. They had 13 sacks. The entire season, Zadarius Smith who signed with the Packers in free agency this year uh, after spending the first four years of his career with the Ravens has six sacks. That's tied for fifth in the league. And then Preston Smith, who was kind of an afterthought in Washington the last couple of years, signed with the Packers in free agency. He has seven sacks, which is which is third in the league. So they have 13 combined sacks, which is what the Raiders had all last season. I know the Raiders are a little bit better rushing the passer, but if they don't have Trent Brown and one of those Smiths, uh, has to, or I shouldn't say has to, has the luxury of going against Brandon Parker or David Sharp, I think that would be a, a big plus for the Packers. I agree with you 100% there, and we are going to get into a little bit about that pass rush in just a moment. Um, you know, we're used to seeing the Packers win games um, you know, on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers and that passing game. This year, it seems like they've got a slightly different formula going on. Um, that's with a strong defense. You mentioned the pass rush um, and, and, a, and a pretty good run game as well. They, they, the defense gives up just under 20 points um, a game, which ranks them eighth in the league. And you mentioned the two pass rushers that they brought in during free agency. Uh, both of those two guys rank in the top seven in the league in sacks. So besides that pass rush... Where else does this defense thrive and, and, and do well? Yeah, I think Jair Alexander, who's their second-year cornerback, he was their first-round pick last year, he's really taken a big jump. He has uh, he, he struggled a little bit against Amari Cooper, uh, obviously a familiar name to Raider fans in Dallas two weeks ago, but he's really been spectacular this year. He leads the league and passes defense with 10. He was targeted, by my count, twice against Marvin Jones Jr. against the Lions on Monday Night Football for two incompletions. Uh, he shut down Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs against the Vikings. He's played really well this year, and I think him, along with Kevin King, who entering the season had missed more games than he had played in his first two years. He was their 2017 second-round pick. Um, he's stayed healthy. He's played every game. Jair Alexander told us a couple of weeks ago he thinks it's the best cornerback duo in the NFL. Now, I don't agree with him, but uh, those outside cornerbacks are really improved here in Green Bay. And that's part of the reason the edge rush is so good, because those two guys, King and Alexander, 24 years old and 22 years old, have really bought the edge rush time with their, with their coverage abilities downfield. So the, that linebacking core is still a work in progress with Blake Martinez, uh, B.J. Goodson, Oren Burks, but... The edge rush and the outside cornerbacks are really the strong suit of this Packers defense. 
Matt Schneiderman on the line with me, former beat writers, uh, beat writer of the Oakland Raiders, now covers the Green Bay Packers for the Athletic. Uh, Matt, I took a look at some of the numbers um, with this Packer defense, and it does look like they they do give up some yardage, uh, 2,183 yards on the season to be exact, which ranks them 11th most in the league. Um, So has it been a case of, like, bend but don't break with this defense? I assume um, the defense must be pretty strong in the red zone. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, no, I think it is a case of bend but don't break. And as cliche as as that is, it it really has – help the Packers this year I mean going back to their game at the Cowboys two weeks ago they got almost doubled up in yardage I believe um, but Jair Alexander had a red zone interception Cowboys missed a field goal um, they gave up a lot of yards but they got the stops and the timely turnovers when they needed them uh, a couple third down sacks from Zedarius Smith so yeah they have given up a lot of yardage but what really matters I think is that points per game and they rank eighth in the league, and that's why I think their defense has been a strong point of this team so far. Now, they have faced teams like the Lions last week who took five field goals, so they obviously, once they got into Packers territory, they couldn't convert. Um, Derek Carr and, and his guys could be a different story. Uh, they haven't really faced a team yet besides the Eagles, and that obviously was their only loss that has really excelled in the red zone and once they do they could be in trouble because they do give up a decent amount of yards but their red zone defense has been really really good and they have come up with timely third down sacks that either push opponents out of field goal range or prevent them from advancing further in the red zone so that'll be a challenge for the Raiders they'll probably get into the red zone a couple times get into Packers territory but uh, whether Derek Carr and, and his guys can convert once they get there will be a, a key factor I'll be looking at. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it could be a key to the game. Um, now on offense, we, we know how great uh, Aaron Rodgers is, and we've already alluded to the injuries that um, some of his weapons um, you know, have on, on offense. Who, who's the next man up if, if some of these receivers can't go? Yeah, I mean, the next man up would be Valdez Scantling, but he can't go, or he's questionable. Allison would be the next man up. He's probably not going to go. It'll probably be Alan Lazard. He's a second-year wide receiver out of Iowa State, undrafted guy, and he entered the fourth quarter last Monday night with one career catch for seven yards in the season finale last season, and that was from Deshaun Kaiser, currently the Raiders' third-string quarterback, because Aaron Rodgers was concussed that game. Um, and then he had four catches for 65 yards and a really, really nice touchdown in the fourth quarter against the Lions that, that brought it to within a one-score game. Um, they have a, a host of other undrafted guys that haven't really proven themselves in this league, but uh, Darius Shepard, for example, an undrafted rookie out of North Dakota State, Jake Kumaro, a third-year guy out of Whitewater, Wisconsin. Like These are schools that, uh, well, obviously North Dakota State has Carson Wentz, but uh, these guys shouldn't be number one, number two, number three guys on NFL teams, but they are. And that's just the state of the Green Bay Packers receiving core. So those guys are going to have to step up. But like I said, if there's anyone who can put balls into position to make receivers look better than they actually are, uh, I would assume that person is Aaron Rodgers. Wisconsin, Wisconsin Whitewater, that's a Division three school. They're always, uh, they're always challenging for um, in the Stag Bowl. I, I follow Division three football uh you know, fairly closely, and I know that they're. Uh, I've never heard of that bowl, but I trust you on that. Yeah, that, yes. that's Division the uh, that, that's essentially the Division Three national title game. They call it the Stag Bowl. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Okay, let's move on. I got a couple more for you here. Um, 
So with all these injuries to the wide receivers, how do you think that changes the game plan for Matt LaFleur? Can we expect to see a healthy dose of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams? I would expect so. You know, what makes the Packers' backfield unique is two weeks ago, Aaron Jones goes for 107 rushing yards, 75 receiving yards, four touchdowns. And then last week, Aaron Jones drops his surefire 33-yard touchdown pass up the seam, fum- loses a fumble, only the second time he's done that in his, I believe it's now, 30-game career. Um, but then against the Lions, Jamal Williams runs for over 100 yards and has a receiving touchdown, four catches on 32 yards. So uh, they have a really unique backfield in that you know either of them can be a number one guy. I would expect them to go heavy on the run. Obviously, the Raiders' front has been really good against the run this year, so that'll be a challenge. And I don't think Jones or Williams is really a secret anymore after the past two weeks because of what each of them has done respectively against the Cowboys and the Lions. Um, And I think you'll be able to tell early on if the Packers are getting those four, five, six-yard runs, if their running game is going to be clicking. If they're getting those negative or one- or two-yard runs – then I think they could be in for a long day. Because obviously, as you know, as everyone knows, the run sets up the play-action pass, and Aaron Rodgers is so good at that. So I'll be looking for that early on if the the Packers can establish the run with whoever it may be. Now, you know this better than anybody, having covered the Raiders for two years. That Raiders pass rush, uh, you know, it's, it's continuing to struggle again this year. It's it's not quite as, as bad as in recent years. As you mentioned, the 13-sack the season last year. Um, they've been slightly better this year, but still not really, uh, you know, having a major effect on games. You know, how is the Packers' offensive line held up in pass protection? Do you think that this is a game where the Raiders could get something going? Or tell us about the pa- uh, the pass protection. Yeah, I mean, the Packers have two of the best tackles in the league in David Bakhtiari, who's a first-team All-Pro last year. Hasn't been great this year. I mean, he's been good in pass blocking, but. Uh, false starts and a couple (coughs) sorry I think he already has four holding penalties this year he had two all of last season um and but Brian Bulaga the 30 30 year old right tackle he's been incredible he's probably been better than Bakhtiari which not many expected um so it's going to be I think tough for the Raiders to generate any sort of pass rush and and on top of that even if they do get in the backfield uh I would argue that the Packers have the best quarterback in terms of moving around in the pocket and avoiding sacks on his own um, so two really good tackles on top of the, that pocket presence and scrambling ability of Rodgers, I think will make it pretty hard for uh, the Raiders edge rushers on Sunday. All right, great stuff here with uh, Matt Schneidman. I got one last question for you. Um, I just want you to give me a, a, a prediction for the game. I, I checked the Las Vegas odds today, the line. Uh, it was Packers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. So so how are you feeling about this game and the score? Yeah, I think – uh, ooh, it's tough. I think the Packers will cover the spread. Um, I just don't see the Raiders coming into Lambeau and beating beating an Aaron Rodgers team that has a, a much improved defense. You know, without Trent Brown, the Packers' strong suit is their edge rush. Uh, the Raiders also don't have their number one receiver. And even if Aaron Rodgers has to do it with like a hodgepodge group of guys, I, I see him doing just enough to to get the job done with the defense the Packers have this year. So if I had to be asked for a score, I would probably go 27-17 Packers. 27-17. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to hold you to that, and I'm sure you're going to hear from Raider fans if, if, <laughs> if it doesn't pan out for you. But uh, 
Well, I know I speak for Raider Nation. Um, you know, when I say we we really miss your great work, Matt. Um, Packer fans are lucky to have you. The Athletic obviously is lucky to have you too. We wish you all the best in Green Bay. Uh, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time tonight, and you know, enjoy the game and take care, Matt. Really appreciate that, Evan. That means a lot. Always a pleasure talking to you. All right, great stuff there, as always, by uh, Matt Schneidman, who is now a two-time guest of Just Pod Baby. Okay, so we're. Uh, I'll give you some of my final thoughts here on this week's game. I've already mentioned. I think this is a, a really big game for the Raiders. I mean, they're all big, but if the Raiders want to keep pace with the Chiefs in the AFC West division race. Um, they they got to perform well uh, this week. They're coming off the bye week, so the Raiders have had uh, you know an extra week to prepare for this one. Uh, it's going to be a very good test for the Raiders. The the, the Packers are five and one, and um, obviously one of the better teams in the NFC. And 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 they are dealing with some injuries, but but nonetheless, that this defense is still very good. Um, we heard from Matt; they will give up yards, but they are very stingy in the red zone. So, to me, a couple of the keys to this game are going to be. Uh, can the Raiders convert once they do reach the red zone? And I'm talking about touchdowns, not field goals. Um, and if Trent Brown can't go, if he's down with that injury, will David Sharp or Brandon Parker be able to keep Derek Carr upright and uh, you know not on his back? Well, you know what that music means. That's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Just Pod Baby with Evan Grote. I do want to take a moment to thank all of you out there who uh, subscribe to the show and, and listen to the show each week. I do I do appreciate the support. I hope everyone has a great weekend. I hope everyone enjoys the game and just win, baby.